Roe versus Wade overturned. Wow and ouch. The emotional reaction that this is bringing up in so many people, including myself, I'm probably gonna tear up in this video. And I know that the emotional reaction of so many people runs very deep. I want you to try to take the time to watch this whole video because I really believe that we need to, to shift the culture around this, that we need to have more balanced thinking. We need to be more empathetic to our fellow humans. I typically avoid conflict. And one of the things when I started this YouTube channel years ago, was like, I'm not gonna address those kinds of issues. But it's time to begin addressing these issues. There's something that we talk about in the, the psychology world and it's called dialectical thinking. And our culture doesn't teach it, doesn't have it. Um, and, and that means that two perceivably opposite opinions can both be true. And that's what this video is about. That you, that pro-life and the theories behind that can be true and pro-choice and the theories behind that can be true. I'm Christy Bundekumar, Dr. B. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner by trade, but I have experienced unimaginable hardship and I teach mental strength. I am pro-choice and I am pro-life. At the age of 16, I had uh, my first uh, sexual experience boyfriend who was uh, very physically abusive and verbally abusive and I got pregnant and I chose to have an abortion. I was thankful that I found out early. Um, do I believe that that fetus was a life? Yes. Do I believe I'm a murderer? No. When I look back at that abortion when I was 16 years old, I don't look back at it as regret. I don't look back at it as something I'm proud of. It's my story. And I see so many women on social media right now telling their story. And sometimes for the first time publicly, 25% of us adult women have had an abortion sometime in our lives. I'm also a mother, I'm a mother of seven children. And if you know my story, you know I've lost children. And I remember 25 years old, married about a year, and we took a pregnancy test and we were trying to get pregnant. And I was probably only a week or two late from my period and it was positive. And I remember showing my brother and sister in the hot tub and rejoicing that there was a life inside of me. 
I went on to have two biological children and adopted five children from the foster care system. And I, I remember when um, I was first talking about my abortion in the church and somebody said, you should go to this PACE group. And I can't remember what it stands for, but it was a group for women who had had abortions to go through the grieving process. And I think the concept is great, um, but the leader of that group actually said to me, well, maybe God allowed you to have that abortion because the baby was mixed race and, um, that was, and you were unevenly yoked. And I, for the first time, I saw the hypocrisy in what they were teaching. And I think so many people have those kinds of experiences in the church. And, and I've had loving experiences in the church. This was one person who said something very ignorant, right? But I remember going through that process and knowing that, you know, it was life and I needed to grieve that. Um, but I also was happy I wasn't raising a child from the age of 16. And I was also happy that I didn't, hadn't given a child up for adoption. That's what dialectical thinking is. That both of those things can be truth. That um, only God has an absolute truth. That, that the way we are living our lives, the story that we are telling, um, the story that we are living is our story. What about someone who is raped? They have a choice um, to get an abortion in most states, right? And I know a person who chose to keep a child that was a product of rape, a, a violent, aggressive, stranger rape, and she chose to keep that child. And I, I, I don't know what I would do today in that situation, I think I might choose to keep the child, but, well, there's another solution, but in this woman's case, although he grew up in an environment of safety and love, he was already displaying sexually inappropriate and aggressive behaviors, and that there was this genetic, um, likely personality disorder that was forming at this very young age. And so there are consequences to every decision. Grief if you choose to abort, um, but there also could be consequences. It's not all beautiful, perfect babies. And this is why I'm saying dialectical thinking is where we need to move to, that I am pro-life and I am pro-choice. We all have a story. I've heard some amazing stories of people who um, were about to have an abortion, chose not to have an abortion, had this uh, crazy life with of, of lots of blessings on that child. Um, I've also heard testimonies of people who were survival of, an, of a late-term abortion, right? You can Google all of these stories. There's so many people that have 
a story. But it still can be a choice. I remember a young girl in her early 20s came to me, um, not married, pregnant. And I flashed back to when I was 16 and I was like, well, I don't believe in uh, abortion, but maybe you could, you know, uh, have the child and give it up for adoption. And she said to me, and she was adopted herself. She said to me, it would be worse to be adopted than aborted. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because she was a child who was raised where she did not feel loved by her biological mother. And that was her story. That was her deep pain. I have three solutions for this culture of emotional reaction and anger and what's, what's behind that anger, probably fear and sadness. We need to have empathy for everyone's story and where they are in that story. I'm still the same person today and I would not get an abortion that I was at 16. I'm still the same human being. So both can be true. Listen to people's story, the heart of that story, not the agenda. We're all, you know, reacting with an agenda, pro-life or pro-choice. And I'm saying, please stop. Make relationships a priority. That's the number one thing. Make relationships the priority. The relationships with the women that um, we are talking to and about. Look up dialectical thinking. It is a part of, of maturity and, and growth and the reality that um, what appears to be opposite, both can be true and continue to make relationships a priority. And so when you put out things on social media that are very one-sided and not just your personal story, I love the movement of women who are just sharing their story. The second thing I want you to do, if you are passionate, passionately pro-life or passionately pro-choice, and you're like, no, but I have to do something. Find something to do that takes into consideration solution number one, that relationships are a priority. I know that although I'm pro-life, when I drive by a Planned Parenthood and there's people standing outside calling those women murderers, it makes me sick to my stomach. And I think, gosh, why couldn't someone just stand there and say, I'll give you $50,000 uh, to have your child and I will raise that child and I will take care of you in the next 10 months. Now there's adoption centers that, that do things like this. Um, but I'm just saying, when we stand out there with hate and call somebody a murderer, you are not saving a life. 
personally know over 1,000 Christians, people that, you know, probably won't like this video, <laughs> that will, um, that either, either publicly or privately support this overturning of Roe versus Wade. But I know less than 10 Christians who have adopted children. Less than 1% are actively doing something about a life today, a life that, right in front of them, a life that they could have, you know, eternal impact on. Back to solution one, relationships are a priority. The likelihood that you'll have a relationship with that fetus that you're saying she can't abort is not very likely. But what life can you make a difference in today? What is your story? I want everyone to be pro-life, but I also want everyone to be pro-choice. Let's make a difference where we can make a difference. Let's support people where they are. And the third and most practical solution is we don't need abortions anymore. We have something called Plan B and it can be picked up at any Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, any pharmacy. You can get a Plan B without a prescription. And you say, well, why are people not using it? Fifty. It costs $50 and sometimes $50 makes a big deal, is, is a big deal in someone's life. And so you say, well, an abortion is $500 to $700, so it's cheaper than an abortion. Absolutely true. But the day after you have a sexual experience, whether consensual, not consensual, regardless, and you say, well, I probably won't get pregnant. I don't want to necessarily spend that $50 today. You know, um, or, you know, someone who is actually sexually active and can't afford you know birth control pills or don't have the resources or education to know how to get them for free and there's there the resources are out there but let's push them let's make them um ridiculously easy like you know plan b you should be able to walk into a walgreens and say i want a plan b and pay a dollar or something like that's where our our time our money our resources um, should be put into now there's always exceptions you know plan b and birth control is only 99 percent right so there's always going to be people that says well but what but what but yes let's respect that a fetus is a life but we have a life of a woman standing right in front of us who, who should have a choice of who she is, of whether she is a mother or not a mother. And I, if you know my story, you know I've, I've actually lost one of my adopted children in a drowning accident and both of my biological children to a rare neurodegenerative condition. And I did all of the right things. The minute I thought I was pregnant, um, I was treating my body like it was, was um, holding a life. 
and I still lost those children. And so, you know, my emotional reaction to this is the grief of a mother, uh, the choice of motherhood. I'm at, I'm almost 50 now and I will probably lose my husband to this disorder. And I honestly had a moment where I was like, well, maybe, you know, we should take a sperm and make sure it doesn't have the DRPLA and I should have a child to create, you know, continue in, in that legacy or that, that name. And I chose not to do that, um, but it just shows like the power of, I want to be a mother and it's a deep desire of mine, but not everybody wants to be a mother. And to, to take the life of a woman and limit it to, to a certain priority, like your ability to produce children is a priority over every other thing in your life. Back to solution number one, please. Relationships are a priority. Let's make relationships a priority. For all of my Christian friends out there, relationships are the only thing that is eternal. And the likelihood that you will eternally know uh, that fetus that, you're sa- that you believe you are saving versus the woman on your Facebook feed who you have horrifically offended and hurt because you've called her a murderer. That life is right in front of you. That life is potentially an eternal relationship that you have with that person. So the three solutions, relationships are a priority. Turn your passion into purpose in your circle and things that make a difference. And let's get some practical solutions out there. Uh, make plan B easily available for everyone. And then always back to solution number one in that relationships are a priority. Thank you. If you got to the end of the video, you obviously enjoyed some of the content. I have a lot of free content out there. I am really trying to empower everyone to find their mental strength. So subscribe, get the actual notifications. Let's embrace this journey of mental strength. See you there.